What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. I feel like I'm a new voice. It's been a long time. Candace has been holding it down. I planned on coming back two weeks ago, ended up with pneumonia, and I couldn't get more than four words out without sounding like I had COPD. And I'm like, there is no way it's not going to happen. So I'm not 100%, but I'm somewhere in the 80% range. We're going to try and knock this out tonight. Candace, how the heck have you been? Man, I've been I've been good. I've been good. It's great to have you back. Uh, happy to have to have some familiar, familiarity. It wasn't my, uh, you know, I always the solo pods are cool, but uh, always great to talk ball with you. But man, uh, it's been it's been up and down since uh, really since I last recorded. Uh, road woes have gotten the Grizzlies. We had a Christmas Day game and shoes dropped. Man, we got a lot to talk about. Yeah, there there's definitely a lot going on. Not a lot of good stuff to talk about whenever it comes to the basketball side of it, but a lot of stuff as a Grizzlies fan and just a fan of the city to be excited about. You know, it, it is I, – I feel like every time that I go downtown, I, I see something new. Like, they're they're working on something to improve downtown, and it gets me excited because – Obviously, I would love to have the NBA Finals in Memphis because that means that the Grizzlies are there. But on top of that, I would love to have an all-star game. Like the the all-star weekend experience of the NBA in Memphis would be incredible. And I think that, you know, as far as lodging, Memphis still has to grow some more before the NBA will allow that to happen. But they're 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 taking the right steps in order to make that happen for sure. I agree. That's a great point, um, especially with the, the Josh signature shoe dropping, um, the Grizzlies having their first Christmas Day game, which I'm sure we'll talk more about. But there's just a lot of enthusiasm for the city, and there should be. These are really monumental, historical type of times for the city. Um, we've never had a superstar to have his own signature line, like based in Memphis. I know somebody, I saw some post where somebody was like, well, technically Ivan, I, Alan Iverson and like his signature shoe drop, but that's like, that's not like everybody knows. Like that's not. Bro. That's Iverson the, was not a grizzly. Right. <laughs> like, I, I love, I real. love Alan Iverson. He was one of my favorite players growing up. And I love that. I, you know, you, you can, I would I wouldn't mind having like an Iverson Grizzlies jersey, but he's not like come on man, you can't Right. I know. I saw somebody like, say that, that that's not the same. Not not even close. Like this no. is you know Ja started in Memphis and he has grown to this level playing in Memphis. By the time Iverson got to Memphis he had grown and was very far on the backside of the downhill. And so it was not. Yeah. And and, I mean, I should know this, but did did Iverson even suit up in a regular season game for the Grizzlies? I believe so. Yes. Like it wasn't, it wasn't many. He, there's no way he played like more than maybe a handful. I feel like it was, three or something like that it wasn't much but it was a, yeah it was a few but I, I do believe he did suit up but yeah I, I think somebody said uh uh some a couple somebody else I can't remember who it was but basically this is the first time that that seriously there's been a real uh signature shoe for a player especially of this magnitude and I think they're going to be super popular so it's not just that he's getting a signature shoe I think the Jaws are going to be 
really common, especially he's got great popularity with the kids. And it's just really cool to see like John Moran on a commercial or a Nike poster. And he's got that Memphis across his chest. It's just there there are a lot of things to be upset about on the court when it comes to these Memphis Grizzlies. And I'm sure we're going to get into that. But um, it be, it's great to just start off acknowledging the the significance of the overall moment. And it, it can get frustrating when you look into the ins and outs of it and what they're looking at right now. But in the big picture, man, uh, the Grizzlies are in a great spot, and so is the city of Memphis. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see the more more colorways for the shoe. You know, we yeah. see the the one. Uh, him new, I think, is what he debuted. Yeah. So yeah. the the one in the video with him and Kari. It's, it's kind of like the, the the light blue, the day ones, and then you have yeah. the, the ones that he wore in the game, the purple shoes. I like both of those colorways, but I, I'm very interested. And, you know, fans always do a pretty good job of, you see, like the uh, like the mock uniforms. Fans will make different uniforms and stuff. And I saw a, a few fans that put together some different colorways that they thought would look good with the shoe design and uh I don't know that Nike will actually go with any of those colorways, but the uh like the Kobe Grinch shoe, there was one I saw that they had the jaw and kind of like that Grinch colorway. And I would buy the shit out of that shoe because yeah. I like I like that I like the Kobe Grinch shoe period. And then, you know, the fact that it's it's a jaw rant. Yeah. Sign me up. I'll take every yeah. bit of that. So let let's actually start the Christmas Day game. Before we jump into the game, you you, you cannot. John Moran had that interview with um, Malika, and yeah. you know he, he talked about the Celtics. And he's like, "Nah, I'm, I'm good in the West." You cannot have that type of confidence and make that type of statement. And then come out as a team and play with the effort that they played in, in this Christmas game. I, I'm so excited that the Grizzlies got this Christmas game. And I do believe that we will have a Christmas game in Memphis within the next few years because of Ja Morant. But if you're going to talk the crap, it, it, and I didn't want to say crap there, sorry for the hesitation, but if you're going to talk trash, the way that this team is talking trash, you better damn well bring your A game every night because these teams, you're going to get the best of everybody. When you're running your mouth the way that this team is, when you're as confident as this team is, other teams are going to be up for when they play you. And this budding rivalry between Memphis and Golden State, there's always something whenever one team gets interviewed and they're asked about it, there's always fuel. Somebody from the Grizzlies will say something. Somebody from the Warriors will say something. Somebody from the Grizzlies will say something. Somebody from the Warriors will say something. So that there's always something adding fuel to this fire. You have to come out and be ready. And outside of John ja Morant, it looked like the rest of this team was just lost as last year's Easter egg in this game. It was a yeah. piss poor showing. You know, the the final score is 123 to 109, but the Warriors dominated this game. Yeah, for sure. And they're they're not I don't think there's been any times where John said something, some trash talk or something, you know, just basically showing how confident he is, and they aren't able to back it up. Right. I, I think this is one case where 
Ja spoke for the team. And not to say that the team wasn't with him per se, because they they backed him up kind of when asked about it in, in interviews. But I don't think that they that the rest of the team was ready for what those words meant. I'll say that. I don't think they understood the rest of the team, the fire that that's going to ignite or the bulletin board material that that's going to ignite for all the teams in the West. And they didn't have a good record in the way. I mean, it was okay. I think they were nine and nine at the time or something like that. When he said that, I mean, they had a mid record in the West. Now, granted that was unhealthy, but I just think that the rest of this team has been caught off guard by the, well, by the smoke. I, I, I tweeted it out. I said, it looks like they choked on the smoke. It really does just because Ja was ready. Ja came out. He was ready for everything, but he can't do it alone. And I've we've been seeing a trend in recent games of just Ja and nobody else. Basically, since, since they got healthy, kind of. I mean, the Suns game was a little different, I guess, but it's been a it's been a concerning theme, I'd say. I think that I'm going to back up some because I, I don't want that this me saying that I am not a oh they need to. They need to be humbled. Like, that's not, I'm fine with them talking trash. I like the fact that they're confident. I like the fact that they, like, I don't want a timid star. You know, people that are not Grizzlies fans, they see that John Morant said this and, and it's just, oh, I, you know, he, he needs to be, that they give him hate. Yeah. But but if you go back and you look over the history of this game, the best players in the game had a level of confidence in them. You know, you, you, like going back to before Jordan, you listen to players that played against Larry Bird and the stuff that he would talk on the floor, Isaiah Thomas and the confidence that he would have, Magic Johnson and the confidence that he had. And then you get to Jordan and you get to, you know, Kobe and LeBron, Kevin Garnett, uh, even, you know, Kevin Durant, he, he's more on the timid side, but like when, when you're some, like some of the, when you're the best of the best, you're going to have a certain level of confidence. And I love that Ja has that in him. So I, I don't I didn't mean, oh, well, they need to back away from that. I'm just saying you have to be prepared. Right. If you're if you're going in with this mentality, if you're going to go at guys the way that they're going at guys, you know, like last year with Bain and LeBron, you you have to be prepared because these guys it's just putting a huge target on your back. And I think that some of the woes that we have going on right now, as far as the Grizzlies and the way that they're playing, it's because this is game three. Tonight's loss to the Suns was game three with this starting five being healthy this year. So you have Aldama shifting to the bench and trying to get acclimated. And then now, He's to the bench and the rotations are changing. Zaire played first quarter minutes for the first time tonight. And so everybody is trying, you know, Zaire has played nine games. They're trying to figure out, okay, what is my role going to be? What's it going to look like? Where do I need to attack? Where do I, where do I need to pick my spots? And when the team wasn't healthy, 
there was a level of comfort between everybody. And now it's like outside of Steven Adams and John Morant and Dylan Brooks to a lesser extent. Yeah. That like the, the roles are are defined a little bit differently, but I'm not going to give them a break on the way that they're playing because in these last two games specifically, they just came out flat. Like the, the just no fuel, not ready to play, lackluster. And there were a few times tonight that I saw Ja, and you and I were talking about this a little bit before we came on. He was on the defensive end of the floor. His back was to the ball handler going toward his guy that he was supposed to be defending. And he had no clue where the ball was. And he got burnt. One time it was – um I was going to say Tory Craig, but it wasn't Tory Craig. It was uh, Josh Okoye. One time it was Okoye. Okoye caught the pass and got downhill on the baseline and got to the basket and got a foul. Like he drew a foul. I, I can't remember if the basket went in or not, but it was Ja was just being um, disengaged on the defensive end of the floor. And, and it's not just him. The, the perimeter defense has been horrendous. I don't even know that you can say that they have any because it's you would think with this team being healthy that the defensive rating would improve. And I don't think that's the case right now. It's it's really there there's a lot of stuff that's going on that is very, very bad and it looks really rough for this team right now. Yeah. The question I had and you sort of touched on it was how much of this is growing pain? And how much of this is underlying issue that has nothing to do with the the new lineups or what have you. And I think I lean towards it's more other issues and growing pains. Some of it is growing pains. Now, I will give some pushback on the effort thing because, especially for Ja, he's been the only guy showing up. Um, there's been a – and in the Christmas game, I do think it was effort. I do think that. Now, in this game, I saw the effort. Now, I think it's more of a lack of attention to detail. I think that was almost non-existent. Like, I just, I didn't see anything that that said we're paying attention, right? So I think there was a difference because I saw the – I don't think people are saying like an energy, but just when you think about the mistakes that were made, the fouling, it was almost over-aggression at times. I just don't think it was for lack of effort. I do think that the attention to detail was absolutely minuscule on every aspect of the ball. Like there wasn't defensive communications. There wasn't, and, and yeah, a job probably took some plays off. Honestly, I'm not going to fault him for that. When he's the only person who's been able to knock down some shots on offense, there's no real attention to detail on the offensive end in terms of how much ball watching is going on. And everybody's just watching the Josh show. And I don't see a lot of cutting and I don't see a lot of movement or relocation along the perimeter. I think that that's really more of the problem. And I think all the other things are a symptom of that. Now, honestly, I it's it, that's it, it, it that's been irritating for me. But the number one thing that's gotten to me that's just irked me, and this is this comes down more to coaching. That's going to be the three point line on both ends of the floor. There's just going to be some nights where you're not going to be able to knock down shots, and that's understandable. 
But over the past, the past five games, the Grizzlies have allowed 40% shooting from three. Some of those numbers are outrageous. For example, tonight's game allowing over 50% shooting from three is unacceptable. They dang near allowed 50% shooting. I think it was like 43% shooting at OKC with no uh, Shea Gilders Alexander or no Josh Giddy. They let those guys shoot off too, but it's not just that they're allowing the 40%. They're shooting at 25% over the past five games, 25.22%. And that is just flat. That goes beyond just the shots aren't going down. And even if the shots aren't going down, that means you've got to hunker down on defense. And I as, as frustrated as I am with the lack of attention of detail on the players, I'm frustrated with the lack of attention to detail from the coaching because I have yet to see a single adjustment in this five-game stretch to emphasize defending the three better. Not one. And I think that frustrates me even more than the attention to details from the players because if the coach isn't going to adjust to make – I mean, what are, how, how are the players going to do any better? If your goal is to shrink the floor and everybody's packed in the paint, of course somebody's going to be open from a from – a, Three point. And sometimes, yes, defensive, you know, communications and lapses and busted coverages. But a lot of times it's just guys playing off too far of the ball because they're yeah, trying yeah. to shrink the floor. And that to me and how long of a span we've been seeing that is unacceptable. Yeah. You know, the the shooting. Yeah. You have Desmond Bain and it, it's clear he just doesn't have his leg back coming back off of that injury with his toe a lot of his stuff is hitting the front of the rim. And I think that that, that improves. And when you see, you know, he he was 0 for 4 tonight against Phoenix. If he goes 3 for 4, 2 for 4, you're, you're looking like the percentage is a little bit better. They're not shooting the ball well. And when you're not shooting the ball well, you have to defend it better, Like just like you said. And they're not. like, like How many wide open threes? And I know Brevin made a point to say that you know, how many times did they say, you know, X player wide open from three? And that was, is it communication? Is it effort? Is it defensive scheme? Whatever it is, they have to fix it because you, you can't, you can't allow, you know, that they shot the same amount of threes as what Phoenix did tonight. So, okay, Phoenix is not, you know, 30% better from the three-point line than the Grizzlies. That's just the way that it went down tonight. So something has to give somewhere. And, and I think offensively for me, you know, you talked about Ja and and the guys kind of watching, watching him do what he does. This team is so much better. They're so much more effective when they're moving the ball. Yep. And – I like the Christmas game and this game tonight. I really don't feel like they, they, you know, I didn't look at the assist numbers, 18 assists tonight, which is, it's just, it's, it's awful. Ja had six and it looks like Brandon had three. That's weird. Yeah, it is weird. Is that right? Yeah. Brandon, Brandon had three and stones had two, but John Moran is incredible and he's going to be able to create his own shot, but you cannot operate your offense night in and night out of 12, go get me a bucket because yeah. then, then you're going to have John Morant going one on four 
And as we saw in tonight's game, sometimes even one on four, he's still going to get get buckets. Like it, it's going to happen, but that's not a, a recipe for winning. And, and I'm not in, in panic mode. I, I've listened to and and watched a lot of people say they've got to go and make a trade. Their bench is terrible. If they don't fix this bench, they're not making it out of the second round. If they don't go and, and trade for another player, Ja's going to leave. If they don't do this, this is going to happen. And, and you know, I, I'm not there. I'm not panicking. They're 20 and 13. They're still, well, I think this that puts them third. This loss puts them third in the West right now. Well, I'm third, third uh, in the West. Denver and, yeah. So, uh, and they may still be third in the West after the loss, but they were coming, they were third in the West already. Yeah. So the, yeah, they're they're third behind Denver and New Orleans, and you only have three games of your starting five playing. There's going to be some stuff that you have to work out. You got to get Desmond. Desmond Bain has to get in game shape. When that happens, you're not going to see zero for seven, zero for four. You know he he scored seventeen in the game against um, Phoenix. Was it yeah, that 17? first game against Yeah, that was the first game against Phoenix when they went and blowed him out. Okay. Yeah, and then now like the the game against uh against Golden State, he was two for thirteen, oh for seven from three, had nine points. Yeah. Then you go into this this game against Phoenix. Tonight he was the only other Grizzly in double figures, which cannot happen. Four for twelve, oh for four. Desmond Bain, his field goal percentage is close to 50%. And you just look at the the Christmas Day game against the Warriors and then this game against the Suns, and he was – sorry, I should have probably wrote this down. So he was like a combined six for 25. Yep. That's not going to make the difference in winning and losing the games, but the games are going to be a lot closer. Things are going to be different. And so I I like this roster and where it is at. If you look at this 10-man rotation right now, going into let, – let me go back to the Suns game. I'm, I'm flipping back and forth. So the yeah. 10-man rotation. I, you're looking, well, let me, let me, let me just, just interject real quick here, where, at least where I stand on it. So I think there's a difference between panicking and feeling like this roster needs adjustments. I, I do think there's a distinguishment there because this team has an excellent playoff ceiling, but I do think that they don't have the roster right now to win a championship, uh, to win the championship. Now, how far can they get? Maybe can they get to Western finals? Probably, hopefully, depending on the matchup, depends on do they, if they clean up some of these things we're seeing now, but I do think that they need a little bit of a boost. Um, how big a role does Granny Danny Green play in that? Maybe a helpful role, but I, depending on your matchup, I, I have concerns about the depth we're counting on right now. I don't think it's going to be there for you in the playoffs. I don't think you're going to get a ton from Aldama. I don't think you're going to get a ton from Conjar, and he proved that last year. Aldama probably can grow into that, but I just, you know, in these big games, it's not been what you've seen from him. You've seen him struggle more on the road because it's a second year player, so that's not even like, legitimate criticism I think he'll be fine long term for this team but in terms of 
to some more guys. I think there's plenty of matchups where, well, not plenty, but I think there are some matchups where you might lose Steven Adams. Jaron seems to struggle specifically against elite talents with fouling. I don't think it's an ongoing problem, but I do think when he's against those more elite experienced teams, that's when it wears its ugly head. And all those things combined to me says that this team wants to win a ring this year, there are some adjustments to consider making to improve this team. See, I, I think the rotation shrinks whenever you get to the playoffs. I agree that Conchar is not going to be a contributor whenever it comes to playoff time, but I also don't think that he is a true playoff rotation piece. And yeah. I don't think that Aldama is that piece this year. Right. I think your playoff rotation is the starting five, Zaire, Brandon Clark, Tyus Jones, and Danny Green. That's what I think your playoff rotation is. And if all things are firing right, I think that this team can beat anybody. Do And, and is that me saying I think this team is going to win the championship this year? No, I, I'm not saying that. I think it is a possibility, but things have to go right. You know, you were mentioning matchup. They they have to match up against the right teams because there's some teams in the West that are going to give them fits. And so I I don't I think on no, like so what 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 do you and I'm not asking you to put a name on it because I know like that we don't know who's available, we don't know who they're gonna be talking to. What do you feel like is the thing that they need where you would say, okay, I think that they can win the championship this year? Number one thing, they need another shooting guard, like another guard. Like not so it's not, it can't just be Desmond Banner bust. It's too easy to scheme against. It just is. Now, depending on what level of Danny Green we get, maybe that offshoots that. But not only does everything have to go perfectly, but like, He's got to come back and be better than he was his last year with the 76ers, even. Like, he's got to go back to the year before that to, to really be able to give the team what they need consistently from three. Um, And because of my concerns with uh, knowing Adama probably isn't there yet and Jaron Jackson, his tendencies, particularly against mm-hmm. elite talent, I wouldn't hate a, a power, you know, basically some depth there at that position. Um, with more experience at that place. Um, But more than anything, I think what's going to kill them is the shooting. I think they can work around potentially because they're, they are switchable and Brandon switchable. And I think you can, Zaire's got length. I think you can navigate that better than you can the shooting. I think stopping Desmond Bain is easy and force everybody else to shoot from three. Boom. Win. Playoff exit. Like I said, it's just that simple. It can't be that simple in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I that, I I don't know that I fully agree with you, but I mean, it's it's a valid point. I think that in, in the playoffs, the game is going to slow down. I mean, you know, they they made the moves to go out and get better in the half court, and we saw early that okay, yeah, th- they've got it. Like it's they can be better in the half court. Well, now that everybody's healthy, it's like. Ooh, are they? And that's where, you know, the shooting, I have, when we come back for the next podcast, I'm going to have the, the numbers. I'm, I'm interested to see what the shooting was prior to 
everybody getting healthy, like what the team looked like. I know like when Dez was healthy early in the season before Jaron came back, they were shooting the ball very, very well early in the season. But John Conchar was knocking down the three. Like he was shooting the ball extremely well. And then here in the last five games, they said it on the broadcast, he's shooting like 22% from three. And so your role players were knocking down the threes early, and now they're not. And so you're seeing big struggles. Ja was three for 10 from three tonight. And that's, to me, you, you don't – I don't ever want to see Ja taking 10 threes in a game. Yeah, agree. <laughs> I, I just, like, if he, because of his ability to get to the basket, I feel like him shooting 10 threes in a game is him settling. Now, yeah. if he's hot and it's like a heat check type thing, okay, that's one thing. But three for 10 was not a heat check type thing. I feel like it was him settling for those threes. And I know analytics and yada, yada, yada. Like I, I get that. I understand that. But the the guys that I want to see taking more threes, obviously, you know, Bain is one of them, even though he's struggling right now. And, and I'm not, I'm not concerned. My level of concern for the way that Bain is shooting the ball right now is a negative number. Like it, it's negative 9,000. Don't, I don't give a flip about the way that he's shooting the ball right now. Would it help them win some of these games? Sure, it absolutely would, but he's going to come around. This is just yeah. uh, a conditioning thing, getting back into game shape. He's struggling right now. We've watched him do this, and he will bounce back at some point. Yeah, no, I agree. Now, I will say I wonder how much his playmaking will come back as I don't see him putting in the effort to playmake as much as he was before. But, again, I know he's getting his feet under him, so – I'm not really concerned about that for maybe his strategy is to just get his shot to fall first before he starts playmaking. And if that's the case, I, I can understand that logic and I can't necessarily disagree with it. Um, but, but one thing for sure that's been a trend that has sort of been talked about, but is emerging as a topic is a lot of what this, what people envisioned this team is and what people saw this team as had a lot to do with Zaire Williams taking a big leap. And not only has Dyer Williams not taken a big leap through nine games, maybe, maybe ten. If this, if I don't, I don't think the tonight's game count probably counts. So maybe ten, maybe he's ten games in now. But through this first ten games, um, he looks more like the Zaire Williams that he first looked like when he hit the court for the Memphis Grizzlies. He looks even lost a little bit on defense. Not totally. His size helps him, but he just the discipline for sure isn't there. Uh, I don't know if he's playing with any sort of techniques or instincts. I think he's just kind of winging it and trying to use his size, which I guess I support, but it's, I just wish there was a little bit more savvy there. On the offensive end, it's definitely not going. He's not even really making the bunnies opportunities. He's missed some easy bunnies. He's miss, He's missing three points. I think he's shooting 8% from three is what I heard. Um, yeah, so it was in the single digits. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what he is now, but I know at one point he was in the single digits from three. Yeah, I think I heard I saw today somebody said eight percent. I that I believe. Um, maybe I should go double check that, but I that just sounds right. <laughs> it's yeah, bad. I got you. I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. It's, it's pretty. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's so that's heading that. in heading into tonight's game, he was shooting nine percent from three on the season. Yeah, and he was one for three today, so I'm going to guess that's going to be about the same spot, if not. Nah, one for three, that's an improvement. That's 33% on it, so, you know, 
33% is, is greater than 9%, but it's still not great. No, no, it is not. Um, so that's, I mean, it's low volume. He, he's two for 23, so he's going to be three for 26, which is not going to go up much, but yeah. yeah and that's, I, I get it. I, I think, I don't know that the expectations were realistic. So, some of the expectations that I saw, I like I, I expect by the time we get to the end of the season, that we're going to see a better version of Zaire Williams than what we saw last year. I think the overall expectation, at least what I gathered from the fan base was that that leap was going to be just astronomical, you know, like something he goes from a role player to borderline all-star. And, and I don't know he, for me, he doesn't have to get to that borderline all-star level for this team to be compete, like competing for a championship. If he gets borderline starter or maybe maybe more than borderline starter, like if he gets to the level, let's say, 15, I feel 15. like he was probably starter level last year. Like by the end of the year, he was playing at like a starter level. And I feel like if he can just take one small step up from that, that that gives them a huge boost. And, and what what's included in that step is being able to knock down the three. And obviously 9% is not going to cut it, but he's not going to, you know, it over 23 shots, he's not going to continue to shoot 9% from three. I think that that gets better. But defensively, I think, is where he really has to have it because Bain is is a is a good defender. He's not great. He's a good defender. Brooks is a great defender. But if Brooks gets into foul trouble, then you put a lot of pressure on Bain, and you need a lot from Bain on the offensive end of the floor. So I think if Zaire can step his defense up to where, okay, Dylan Brooks is off the floor – either because it's his time for the rotation or because of foul trouble. Well, now we've got Zaire out there and he's more than capable of being a lockdown defender on another wing. And that that's what, that's where they're going to need it for me. You know, you talk about depth, you, you, you were mentioning Jaron earlier and your concerns with him against elite talent and the foul trouble. I, I think that you have to worry about that with Dylan as well. You, know, you go back, you know, you go back and you look at the uh, look at the Warriors game, and the, yeah, the Grizzlies, foul. the Grizzlies were in this game, even with their two best defenders. Jaron played twenty minutes in this game, and Dylan ended up playing thirty. But typically, it, hold on, I'm not looking. Yeah, okay, I'm, I was like, hold yeah, on, I might be looking. So you know, barely over twenty minutes from Jaron and barely over thirty from Dylan. If Dylan is not in foul trouble, he's playing thirty six or thirty eight minutes. And if Jaron is not in foul trouble, he's thirty to thirty five minutes, and that that makes a difference. So when you get this situation that occurred in the on the Christmas Day game, when Dylan is off the floor, if Zaire can come in and play that defense, whether it's on Clay or Jordan Poole or whoever it is, even though like it didn't really matter. Jordan Poole was knocking down crap from everywhere. 
he, he was just his shot was falling that night. And I, I don't know what the the splits were when Dylan was his final defender versus other people, but it felt like whatever pool was throwing up, it was going in. And so you know you need you need Zaire to take that leap defensively. I don't. I think that as we talk about their shooting being terrible, I feel like the Grizzlies have enough offensively to get over the hump. I think that having yeah. another defender Wait, that wow. as that at that in between the good to great level will make a massive, massive difference on whether they can get over the hump to get Western Conference finals and or finals. I guess I'm I guess I'm a little confused as to why you said that because everybody outside of I'd say Jai and Titus can defend on this roster. Not everybody can shoot. In fact, no one but, can consistently except for Bang. When you take Dylan Brooks off of the floor, the amount of effort that Desmond Bain is going to have to put in to guarding the the wing, the best wing on that team, because typically what happens when Brooks comes off the floor, Desmond Bain will switch over and he'll guard the best wing on the other team. And in a seven-game series, I think that that's going to be asking an awful lot of Desmond Bain. And I know that not everybody can shoot, but – I just I feel like the slump that they're going through right now, the the issues that they're having shooting, I think that those will improve. I I know I know that Desmond Bain is a better shooter than what he's been in these last few games. And John Conchar, while he's not necessarily going to be playoff like he's not going to be a playoff rotation piece. He's a better shooter than 22%. That, that's what he's been over these last five games or so. He's yeah. a better shooter than that. And yeah. so I I think that the shooting would help, and I think that Danny Green can be that piece. If you take John Conchar out of the rotation completely and you put Danny Green in that spot and you get – excuse me. You get the two years ago version of Danny Green – I think that that's enough. And I some of that is just I probably have outside of Dylan Brooks, I probably have the most amount of confidence in him other than himself. And I, I just I know the ups and downs, I know the stuff like his issues, I know the holes in his game, but I just I go back to that Utah series a couple years ago when Dylan was just extremely efficient and very, very, very good against that Utah team when the Grizzlies really didn't have any, the Grizzlies were not ready to be in that place and Dylan Brooks excelled at that level. And and I think that because of the type of guy that he is, because of his mindset, I think in those high pressure situations that he is going to take his game to another level. Yeah, I think we'll have to disagree to disagree. I, I like to go off of what I've seen in the playoffs so far. And the reason why this front office made an emphasis on shooting was because that was the problem. Nobody went into the Memphis, nobody, nobody's takeaway from the playoffs was that they can't defend. 
the problem was that they don't have a guy to make open shots reliably. When the shot's wide open, they brick it. And that boggles down the offense tremendously. You need a reliable guy who can open down the knockdown shooter. Now, I agree with you on Danny Green. He can be that, but you do need from him to be the two years ago version of that. And I do think in order to make sure you have it, it's better to get another shooter on this team than anything else. These guys can defend. Now, I have questions about their ability to defend the three, but if they can counter that with at least the ability to make the open shots, heck, I think if they make the open shots tonight against the Phoenix Suns, it's a different ball game. I'm just going to be honest. There were a lot of opportunities where, you know, now some of them were job settling threes, but there were open shots that job would make the pass and just miss. You know, they shot 26% from three tonight, six of 23. Like, if they knock down some of those open shots, man, it's a different game. As well as, as terribly as they defended the three, they just can't keep up because they're in a deficit already. So they would have to be elite at defending the three in order to offset that. And even if they were just, like, average with their ability to defend the pain and everything else, rotate, switchability in a playoff setting, I think they'd be fine. Um, we'll agree to disagree on that one. I, I really think we've seen the issues with this team already, and it's not defense. Yeah, I mean, that, that's fine. I can I can live with that. I just, I don't know, man. I I feel like experience makes a difference, and the experience that this team had last year in the playoffs is going to pay dividends whenever it comes down to it. And there, there's a lot of time between now and the playoffs. And some of the stuff that we're discussing, I, I think that not that it will fix itself, but these guys are going to work on this stuff. And I think that we will see a different version of this team by the time we get to the playoffs. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. <laughs> uh, really, I do hope so. Yeah, you got to be right on that one. I'm kind of banking on that one because if not, this team. Yeah, so I mean, if not, the playoffs are not going to be very fun for us. Yeah. <laughs> no, they yeah, got to change. So. They're going to go on a real losing streak if they don't fix it. I, I do, I do think they're going to fix it. The question is, will they fix it enough to be able to take advantage of the way the wide, the West is wide open? Um, that's yet to be seen. I think what we see from this team over this next ten game stretch is going to tell us a lot. Um, and I, I am glad that this team is healthy at the time that they are. And, and I really, really hope knock on wood that everything continues is like that because it really is a real evaluation period for the front office to see how this rotation really, I mean, how these rotations work, what's needed, what works, what doesn't work. And what I'd like to see is, I think I just like to see more adjustments, um, especially from a coaching perspective, I just like to see them do some different things. Now, today, we did see a different rotation. Zaire Williams, like you mentioned, played in the first quarter for the first time. Um, and then John Contra came in. I think he did more of that second and fourth um, kind of gig, which was good to see. The, it was just good to see them do something different to kind of counter what they had been doing normally. Hopefully, we continue to see them experiment as – you know, it's a critical time, but it's also the time to do it. Um, You got your full roster, basically, minus Danny Green, and you're going to play some, I think, relatively elite competition. I think there's some games in there that, you know, you should just handle business, but they got some back-to-backs. You're really just going to find out about what this team is made of over these next 10 games. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. that There is – I was kind of fiddling through some stats here just to see – 
where the drop off has been over these last kind of couple weeks here. And and the biggest drop off is on the offensive end of the floor. Yes. Their their defensive rating, excuse me, just a second. Yeah, they're, they're from what I can see, their their defense is fine. It's I mean, it could be better, especially from the three point. I think that's a problem. But in terms of what they're allowing score wise, and I do think they're making outside of the open threes, it harder on their opponent. They could stop those. I don't think anybody would be able to score anything, to be honest. Uh, they could just eliminate that. They'd probably be the best defensive team in the league, and it wouldn't be close um, just because Jaron's impact has been felt on that end, for sure. Um, yeah, and that that is – you said even earlier in the podcast with, with the, the guys are, are sagging off on the perimeter yeah. and, and giving good looks to opposing teams. Yes. And it's like you have that security blanket back there. You have probably the best shot blocker in the game right now behind you. You have zero reason to sag off of your guy on the perimeter. Exactly. And, and so may, maybe that is defensive scheme. There's a possibility that that is defensive scheme. But that, that to, to me – you because you have Jaron, you should be able to stay up on your man, and that that's hopefully we see that. I, I think that Any- last year we saw the first twenty games this team be very very like up and down, very roller coastery. The defense wasn't that great. Something clicked. The defense got better. Everything started, you know. They started winning. They went on this big run. And this year they started off. Defense was better than what I expected it to be. And then Jaron comes back. And I'm like, okay, this defense is going to go from it was already good without Jaron because Aldama was playing very good on the defensive end. Well, and I actually you, like 22nd. What's that? They were 22nd ranked before Jaron came back. They, they were 22nd before Jaron came back. I didn't think they were that far down. But, you know, like it, it was I, – I thought that it was going to be really, really rough at the beginning of the season. They found ways to win games with, without Jaron. And now that Jaron is back, like they're, they're the third third overall defense, like yeah. defensive rating-wise, in the league right now. And so it, it's – the defense is there – and a lot of that is because Jaron's protecting the rim. You just got to figure out what you need to do on that perimeter because that that's definitely something you can watch. You could see, okay, back-to-back-to-back games here, 40%, 45%, 55% tonight against the Suns, that they've got to defend that three-point line better. And even Darko said that coming out of half, they were talking to him, and uh, he's like, you know, we we just have to be – better on both ends of the floor, shooting the three and defending the three. So yeah. That's the, it, the, you know, no, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, you're fine. I, I was seeding to you there. No, I was just going to – just the, my last thing on it. The thing that makes it seize me about that, the way they're playing it, is is just not only that you have Jaron, which is an excellent point. I mean, got the best guy to, to defend the paint and whatever, but mathematically, man, threes like – if you had to give up something, give up the two. Like, especially for a team that doesn't have a lot of three-point shooters. Like, the strategy 
drives me crazy because it doesn't make sense giving your personnel. Like if you were a team that had a bunch of shooters on this squad, then okay, you know, you can make up for the three-pointers that you give up and your goal is to defend the pain and, you know, protect on the inside. But man, it's just the modern NBA and people, everybody can shoot wide open threes except for people on the Grizzlies apparently. <laughs> and so that that being your strategy, man, it just drives me up a wall, not just because of Jaren, but just because it's just not how you defend in today's NBA, um, especially against teams in the West, man. They can shoot threes. Yeah, and, and I think, honestly, well, I, I know analytically the mid-range is a shot that you want to give up. Yeah. It used to drive me crazy when JV was on this team and they were playing drop. And uh, where was Kar- – Karis LeVert was in Brooklyn. This was before KD and Kyrie. There was a game when, when they were playing Karis, uh, playing the Nets and Karis LeVert had like – it seemed like 90. I I think he scored like 36, <laughs> but he was just destroying because JV was playing drop. And I'm like, Oh, why are you dropping so far? But that mid range jumper is the best shot to give up analytically. You don't want them to get to the rim to finish and you don't want them shooting wide open threes. You want them shooting, that mid-range jumper, preferably a contested mid-range jumper, uh, yep. but that it wasn't happening. And Brevin kind of like we when we had Brevin on the show, we were talking to him about the drop defense, and he, he broke it down. He's like, he said, "Yeah, you know, we can see that JV's dropping that far back, but he he has to do that because he's not he's not fleet. Uh, you know, he he's not very quick laterally." And so if he doesn't drop that far back and somebody gets past him, he's not going to be able to make it up. He would prefer to let them have that 12 to 18 foot mid range than for him to be up too far. And now they got to the basket for an uncontested layup or dunk because he's not fast enough to recover. Well, now you don't have JV back there. You have Steven Adams, which is going to be better. Are you and and then you have Jaron on the health defense, and when Adams isn't on the floor, then you, you know you, you've got Jaron back there, and so he can be a little more aggressive, and he can take that mid range away, and he is quick and long enough that if they get past him, he can do like he can catch them, and manage a chase down block. So it, it seems to me like you have the recipe to really lock down that three point line because. None of the guys, none of the wings on this team are, you know, you have guys that are quick. You have guys that can move, and it's like, all right, let's be a little more aggressive, and you don't want to be overly aggressive and and closing out and let them get the lanes and get downhill and be like, don't play Olay defense on the perimeter and let them get dunks. It's going to be hard to get dunks because of Jaron, but you you could be a little more aggressive and – you know, if they get past you, all right, you got Jaron back there. Let him do what he does. Like, let your team defense work. And I don't feel like there's enough of that right now. Mm-mm. But hopefully we'll see some some fixes. I, I'm glad that this is happening right now because it's made it obvious. It, it's it, my, my hope is it's going to force Taylor Jenkins to break habit, that it's going to force him to think of something else because this isn't working. At first it was just on, on the road. It has carried over to home. And that was only a matter of time because if you can't, I mean, 
I don't know how sustainable it was for you to give up nothing at home and from three and then give up everything on the road. Like eventually that was going to, the two words, the two worlds would collide. And I think that's what happened tonight. Um, so hopefully they can make those changes. That'd be great to see. And it'd be great for to see, the, to see them stick with whatever those adjustments are, because, you know, just like you outlined, that's really the strategy for this team moving forward. So right now, if you're a playoff, if this was a playoff starting right now, I mean, that's pretty much the strategy you go in with. Like, you like you don't even have to do a whole lot of game planning around that. It's, it's, uh, it's a little bit too simple to game plan for right now. They've got to make teams work a little bit harder than they are right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I am super glad to be back. I think Isaac, if I'm not mistaken, he's planning on coming back right after the first of the year. Um, you know, he I, I've been away for a little while. I had some stuff at work that was just – super time demanding and and tying me up and then I got sick and then Isaac's been dealing with some stuff but uh I think we'll see him back in the next week or so I'm glad to be back we'll be back the next game is Thursday night in Toronto so that will be an that's an earlier game for us right what's it a six o'clock tip probably yeah so uh so we'll be back with a post game on that one we appreciate you guys tuning in I'm going to make Candace close us out, make her uncomfortable, but she, she's been doing solo. She can handle it on her own now. Appreciate <laughs> you guys listening. You can find the show on Twitter at ethos Grizzlies. Isaac is at Isaac underscore underscore NBA. I'm at NBA D will two one Candace. Yep. You can find me on Twitter at Candace H nine Oh one. And we appreciate you guys being supportive of us throughout this time. Um, if you're listening on iTunes, give us a like or review. We appreciate that. Um, we got the Grizzlies have a tip off. Uh, I think it's like 10, I think you said 10 o'clock. I'm sure that's not wrong. against the Raptors, but we will be back to get close down after that. And until then, we gone. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.